Oh, you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Welcome to the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. I cover current hot topics and recent research in the world of the young athlete relevant to healthcare professionals. This is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. As we all know, the world of youth sports today can sometimes be described as sheer chaos for some families. The frequent travel for competitions, the never-ending quest to keep up with the Joneses, the fear of missing out on developing your child if you don't get them signed up in preschool for sports camps and skill development, the numerous practices, never-ending narrative that you must be involved in year-round sports to be better. As a sports medicine physician, I stress with families we want sports to be fun, not painful, especially when talking with our pre-high school aged athletes. But how can parents support kids without being that parent that everyone sees riding their kid for their mistakes and living their sports life vicariously through their kids? Today on the podcast, we have a sports parent who created a website that is a valuable resource for parents and especially for every sports medicine professional who works with kids to know about. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. My guest today is Asia Mape. Asia is a four-time Emmy Award-winning sports journalist and founder of ilovetowatchyouplay.com. She has more than 15 years' experience in sports journalism for the top networks in the country, including NBC, Fox, ESPN, CBS, and NFL Network. She is a former Division I basketball player and the mother of three daughters who have all played elite-level youth sports. She believes strongly in the positive power of sports. Welcome to the podcast, Asia. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. You know, I was thinking just kind of going through how I came across your website because I think I reached out to you about a month ago as far as being on the podcast. And I, I think I got to it by chance, but, I, but I'm glad I did. Uh, I was just browsing through things and I, I was thinking to myself as to why I actually hadn't heard uh, or seen this before because I do try and keep my finger on the pulse of those things out there for good resources for parents. And this just, it's a really good resource. And I, I definitely would be a place to recommend to the parents I see in my office and even coaches. And, and the website for all of you out there, it's I love to watch you play.com. We will have a link to that in our show notes. But tell our listeners a little bit about how you came about creating this website. Yeah. Well, you know, first, I want to say the intro that you spoke um, and shared about all the problems going on in youth sports so spot on with like <laughs> every single one of those. And I think it's hard, I think, as parents, we get caught up with a lot of those things you mentioned. But the truth of it all is, is that you can still raise really happy, healthy and successful athletes without doing all those things. And so I think that's really the important message and the important message of the website, which is, I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive to have good athletes and to love sports and to have healthy athletes. And so that's kind of why we started it a long time ago. Like it's been, I think, eight years now. And it started sort of a passion project. As you mentioned in my bio, I worked in sports my whole life. I played sports. I played basketball in college. And then when I started to have my own kids, you know, I was looking to do something that I didn't travel as much as when I was kind of traipsing around the world, following all these athletes and all these big um, sporting events. And it was kind of a natural, a friend that I worked with asked me about it. She's like, let's do something around youth sports. It just seems like really intense. And this is eight years ago now, and it's just getting more and more intense. And, and we started the site. And originally, you know, there was a lot more sort of how to be good, you know, we had access to and could reach 
coaches and athletes and people like yourself who work in the field, a lot of experts, and it was all geared a lot towards performance and things mm. that we had seen and, you know, being on the field and watching these athletes perform up close. And over the years, it's really morphed more into as what I was saying, which is like how to do it in a real positive, healthy way. It's not just like tips to get an edge or things that maybe you didn't know that we have access to. And so that's kind of been my learning curve with it as well as a parent. I think I was a little misguided early on in some of what I believe to be the important topics around youth sports. Yeah. And, and I try not to put it on parents that they're misguided with things because I, I think it's just, it, there's so much just overwhelming information out there and there's just so much pressure I, for parents in particular. Like I got to sign my kids up for everything and I have to do it at such a young age. And it just, it gets younger and younger, and younger. I mean, wait, my, my local city here at our recreational facility, they, they were doing baseball training programs for kids at three. And they had a video actually advertising this, this watching these kids develop their sports skills and showing this one kid hitting the baseball off of a tee. And like, like it's like some big major like accomplishment. And I'm like, hold on just a second. I go, he got lucky hitting it off the tee, his <laughs> eyes and his hands. He swung the ball at the right time. You got the video at the right time. I go, this wasn't like massive sports development and this kid's going to now be the next great person. Yeah, I mean, he could, but in the big picture of things is just funny and just kind of like, just, just led to me just saying, you know, this is just where the state of youth sports is these days. And it's, I mean, it's so different from when I grew up and I'm now, now dating myself where, you know, People were doing three sports. You know, they did one sport one season, one sport the next season, the next sport the next season. There was free play. There wasn't all this organized stuff that's out there, and it has to be so regimented and things. And we're not going from sports trainer to sports trainer, but yeah, it's I don't know. Big it's business. Just, I, it's big business. People oh, are making a lot of money off it. And as you are. said, and I hundred percent agree that I don't think any parent sets out to do wrong by their child. You know, I no. certainly didn't. I had nothing but good intentions. I think we just lose our way. There's so much information. There's so many coaches telling you this, people saying that, you know, and, and quite frankly, for, and I, and I like to say this because I think people get frustrated and parents get frustrated. It's hard to make teams nowadays if you aren't mm -hmm. sort of following along with the regimen of starting your kid at three years old in baseball. And so it's not this Pollyanna view of everybody just, you know, play and do rec until you're 13 and then that'll be like there is some thought that needs to go into it if your child and if always the child has dreams of playing in high school or beyond. And I do think that you can do that and still keep the child as the center and still keep the child healthy. But it takes some thought and it takes some planning and it takes some research and understanding what's right. And it, it takes courage to have agency over your decision making. And when, you know, a coach says we're going, you know, a, a U10 is going to a showcase across the country to, to stand up and say, you know what? No, like that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what the website is geared around. I, I have a daughter who plays soccer in college. I have a daughter that plays very high level volleyball in high school and has dreams of playing in college. And I have my daughter who stopped playing sports. And so I've seen it all and it can be done. It's just, you have to be very thoughtful about it.
you know, and there's no pun here in saying this. I, I mean, I love the title of your website, the I love to watch you play.com. Tell me a little bit about kind of what was the inspiration for that specific title. I actually like to use that phrase and I've used that my my two of my three kids who were athletes were runners. And I, I actually have liked to use that phrase. I love to watch you run <laughs> because, because it, but is it, because it is, it's fun. It's watching them run. Tell me a little bit about what was the inspiration for that specific title. Yeah. Well, I love that. I mean, who doesn't love that? I love to watch you play, right? It really puts it in perspective, really simplifies what it should be all about. Actually, it was my partner at the time. She had come across, I think it was the John O'Sullivan Changing the Game Project. He had a TED Talk Mm -hmm. where he mentions it, but he actually didn't coin the phrase. It was two researchers in sports. And you know what? I I meant to look this up before I I came on. I I can't think of their name right now, but they actually did the research and interviewed hundreds or thousands of kids and had them list out what was of most importance. What would they, you know, they really sort of dug into this topic of what kids would want to hear from their parents and what would inspire them the most. And it really was as simple as I love to watch you play. So John O'Sullivan put that into his TED Talk. And of course, as I said, my partner heard that. And that's kind of the genesis for the name. That's great. That's great. You have lots and lots of content uh, in lots of social media platforms on your website. There's Facebook stuff, there's Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, YouTube, Pinterest. I found the Pinterest one as far as a link interesting there, but you got to get it on everywhere, You're the first right? person that's people... mentioned the Pinterest ever. I, forget, <laughs> I I don't think I've updated that in like eight years or since the first yeah. year or something. That's awesome. I saw it there. I don't personally have Pinterest, so okay. I haven't gone to it to see what content is on there, but... <laughs> You do have a whole bunch of stuff on there. And again, I I know that different platforms obviously lend themselves to different types of things. And you can use it, obviously, to promote things from just different channels where people are kind of engaging. But kind of the content on there, you mentioned kind of the initial part of this was trying to create some stuff for performance. And then it kind of morphed into kind of now what it is. And so, so what's kind of like the ultimate goal of what content you put on the site? Yeah, the goal is really to support parents on this journey. You know, the bottom line is trying to help the athletes. And then that's what we do. We work through the parents, through the coaches, through adults involved in the kids' lives, whether that's administrators at the college. I think, you know, there's a lot of coaches and admins that read the stuff. We gear most of it towards parents, but I think that I hear from, and I can see on, you know, our newsletter and people that like and comment that there's like a wide range and a lot of them happen to be professionals in sports, which is good because I think them understanding the the perspective that parents are dealing with and the articles that we're sharing is really good. We, we can't do this on an island. You can't just mm-hmm. be the parent who only understands all this. If the coaches aren't understanding it and the admins aren't understanding it, you're not really going to get too far. But we really focus on the parent. I think they have the most influence over the athletes. And so that's really the point is to help support the athlete, help keep the athlete happy healthy, and successful. And we do that by sharing mostly original content. Sometimes, you know, if there's a great article, I'll I'll repost something after I ask about it. You know, I use a lot of experts, a lot of people that just write in, they're not even an expert. They're a mom or a dad or a coach who just has a story to tell. And I think the, Mm -hmm. the thing that sort of separates us is the authenticity, the storytelling, the 
sort of like we're in this together. You know, it's not it's not sort of sterile, boring content. I think people want to hear a story. They want to hear the truth. They want to hear that there's other people experiencing the same things they are. And I think that's where we've done a good job of really being relatable because myself and, and my former partner, we were both parents going through it. We were in the trenches. And I think it's we're talking about things that are important to them and we're talking about them in real ways. Yeah, I love the one of the videos that you have pinned <clears throat> on your front page of your website that has all the kids and the kids just talking about like, what, what do they want to tell their parents and the kids going, shh, and stop talking yeah, and, that's and all a- this kind of stuff in which, you know, again, I see that, but I, you know, I see it from a different perspective. I'm seeing it in, in a clinic with, you know, kids coming in hurt with various sports injuries. And I, I think the thing that dis- discourages me the most as a sports medicine physician is when I see a family come in and my goal always as a, as a pediatric sports doctor is I want to, I want to get the kids perspective. I want to know what's going on with them. I want them to talk. And some of them obviously are shy and they, they, they don't want to open up right off the start. But, but my, the thing that discourages me the most is the parent that just kind of goes right away and just starts telling the story for the kid. When I'm looking at the kid, wanting the kid to tell me the story, you can just see this deflated look in the kid's face. Like, you know, I was ready to tell them and you just kind of took over for me, mom or dad. So, I, I mean, I, I kind of related a lot mm-hmm. to that video just in terms of not from the, what's going on in the sports field, but what's going on in my clinic mm-hmm. as far as what I see and kind of some kids' reaction. And I love to get some kids to record like what they think their parents should do in a clinic visit with their doctor. Yeah. Well, I love really, that. I related a lot with that. I love that you want them to tell their story. And I tell you what, too, Mark, I bet their story is pretty different from their parents' story just from oh, it, my it can be, yeah. You know, we're pushing these kids and we're pushing them too hard. And you know this way better than I do. It's it's causing them injuries and burnout and stress and anxiety. And again, I don't think parents are doing it out of, you know, a place of anything but like love. And this is what I think is best. And, you know, they're just misguided. And, and we bring ourselves to our parenting and we bring ourselves to our sports parenting and so any sort of past issues you might not have gotten resolved, you know, they're all coming out. And, and even just last night, I was driving my daughter to practice. We were talking about a potential coach that might be a good fit to help if they needed one for her volleyball program. And I said, oh, I'll text her. And she's like, mom, I can text her. You know, she's in <laughs> high school. But I loved that. And at first, they kind of like, oh, okay. But, you know, you're still crossing boundaries and, and stepping into areas that, that we really shouldn't, you know, giving them autonomy mm-hmm. and letting them lead their journey is so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Your daughter's at their different phases, one who is playing collegiate sports, another one who's in high-level high school sports, and then one who has quit in sports. But kind of give me a little bit of perspective on kind of your sports journey with your with your kids, your daughters. Yeah, so I think like a lot of us, I don't know if you have the same experience, but we make a lot of our mistakes. Our oldest get a lot of our attention and a lot of thought, but they also sort of suffer through a lot of our mistakes. And I certainly felt that around her sports parenting. I've grown and changed and evolved. And of course, I do the website. So I mean, I'm always looking into it and always learning. And that's kind of my personality anyways. But I have really become, I would say, a very different sports parent as my girls have grown up and compared to my oldest who quit. And, you know, and and I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but I wrote that article about her, which was a long time coming. And I think... We were a sports family. We, I worked in sports. Their dad worked in sports. Sports 
were our world. We watched it. We played it. We loved it. He was also a collegiate athlete. And she is at nature in her heart, in her true self, an artist and wanted to act and do all these things. But, you know, in our family, it was a lot of sports. And so she kind of went along with it. And it's also hard, you know, when you're good at it. She was very good at it. Mm -hmm. But so that's my oldest. I know we're going to get to that article. Then my middle daughter, we tried to do a lot better there. and, And for the most part, I would say did. She was a cheerleader for a while, played every sport. You know, we didn't really know which way gave her a lot more space and a lot more ability to make her own decisions. But again, I I kept finding myself still overstepping and caring too much. And even though I knew a lot of the things I teach and and talk about, I, I still would make these mistakes. It's not something that you kind of figure out and then you're good. It's a practice. It's like a mindfulness practice or a, you know, of being better. And she's ended up when I kind of pulled back from her process, she had gotten a lot of injuries right around the recruiting time and for soccer when she was a junior. And I was like, "Ah, are you doing your PT? Are you, you know, I was finding myself and she wasn't doing a lot of it. The moment I kind of pulled back, she took charge and she's at Ohio State now playing soccer. And I'm really since that sort of awareness of what I was doing, been very hands-off. Again, much better with her. And then I would say for my third, although she might have another opinion about it, but I've been very hands-off. I do give my opinions. I don't think it's not the kind of thing where you just let them go and do it. Like, you know, they're kids and they're, they're learning and figuring things. But I think the biggest difference is having that open line of communication and really letting them take the lead and not doing any of those sort of pressure or guilting or, and and again, it's a work in progress and, and you can sometimes see things that they can't. And so you're trying to sort of guide and lead, but there's a difference between sort of having a discussion about that and sort of manipulating them to do things that you think, you know, and so I think it's coming from a real place of allowing them to be the the sort of leader on this journey and, and letting their feelings and thoughts being heard so that you can honor that and honor them because that's really the only way they're going to stay in love with the sport and want to play the sport and, and do it is, it is if you kind of find that path to it. So it, it's been a journey, but definitely way better than, than uh, when we started. We'll be right back after a quick break. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Dr. Mark Halstead here. Do you like what you're hearing on the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast? If you want to learn how your business, organization, or effort can benefit from my focused audience of professionals interested in pediatric sports medicine, connect with us and let's have a conversation. 
You can reach out to us at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it all out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com. See what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box from the voice box. Voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. And now back to the podcast. I can relate with your your journey with your daughters. My my oldest, who is now in college, he actually we kind of dabbled a little bit with kind of all the recreational sports. Never really kind of pushed him in anything, and then we got involved with scouts because we always our, our goal with our kids was just need to be involved with an activity. It didn't have to be sports and what have you, but we just wanted you to be involved with something. And so got involved with scouts, and then really kind of got turned off to scouts. Was not really the camper type. And then he kind of latched onto cross country, which was both my wife and I sport in high school and then for my wife in college. And and he got hurt in his sophomore year. And I did a podcast with him talking about his injury and how that actually caused him to have some significant mental health issues related to his injury and how he really struggled with that. And he's been very open about that and, and super proud of him for that. And and, and and sports were done after. I mean, he he continued to participate through high school and then hasn't participated in college and then my my middle son, who's actually named after a professional athlete, has been our non-athlete, which has been totally fine because he's our totally creative, crazy, awesome, good, artistic, theatrical guy and has excelled in the world of theater. And that's actually what he's pursuing now in college is theater and uh, set design and all those types of things. And so so we, we never really forced him into sports. He did some stuff and it, that's never been his thing. And then my daughter, who's uh, finishing out her senior year in, in high school right now, we're on that path of is she going to run in college or not? We're in that stage of trying to make that decision. Is that what she wants to pursue or not? And it sounds like we're leaning towards that direction. So we've had very different directions with our kids as far as the sports world. It's been all running because that's just, that's just us. We're a running family, but, (laughs) but yeah, so I, I can relate and I can relate to those mistakes. And certainly, you know, again, even though I'm a sports medicine doctor, I make mistakes with parenting too. We never, you know, we don't get that manual as far as how to do it perfectly. We're we're learning as we go. Right. That's right. I loved when I came across your website and, and this is where, where things, I saw this because I saw a link on social media and I don't remember what platform it was, but someone had linked to your article that was a blog post that you wrote that was, my daughter quit sports and this is what you sports parents need to know. And I read through that and I loved it. It was fantastic. It was raw. It was, it, but it was, it was so to the point. And I think it's what a lot of parents experience and a lot of parents that probably just don't know how to take that next step if their kid's really not interested. And I see lots of kids who come into my office who are hurt, but not really hurt. And you start to think after a while, are these kids really Mm -hmm. just trying to figure a way out of their sport and they're getting hurt or they're having pain because they don't want to participate anymore. So we have to be thinking about that a little bit. Is 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 this really just this kid's way out is just by saying they're hurt, even though they're not. Again, that doesn't happen often, but it is something we need to think about. But I I thought the article was great. And it's stuff that we see as sports medicine physicians and sports medicine professionals every day. But talk to our listeners about it because you had five points in there that I thought were fantastic. Yeah. As I said, it, it was too close to home for a while, to be quite honest. You know, she was my oldest and she was a great athlete. She won like athlete of the year and all these different things when she was younger, played a bunch of sports, ended up settling on water polo and was very much into it from all outside 
looking in, even in, I would have believed as well. She wanted to play on the Olympic team. She went to Olympic training camp. She was on the ODP team. She did a show with Cam Newton about water polo. So she loved it, it seemed. And then I think it, she didn't. And it started to change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think by that time we were so in deep, all the, the people on the team, I was on the board of the water polo club. She was in high school for water polo. She decided to choose a school, a private school with the coach that she really liked because he was going to be able to help her fulfill these dreams. He was an Olympic coach. And you can't imagine a world without it. And that's how it felt. And I think when she started to talk about it, she it was every excuse in the book. And I think as parents, and to your point just a minute ago about kids faking injuries or kids not even faking, but just like almost just looking for a, someone bail me out of this. You know, she started complaining about things and, and you know, I just couldn't see it, didn't want to see it. It was too painful to see. I don't know. I just... It, it felt like excuses. It felt like, okay, this is kids being kids. She wants to just goof off and do her art, play video games or whatever. You know, you start, you can convince yourself of anything that these aren't real problems. You know, I got to keep her on course. This is going to be a short period of time. She'll regret it if she doesn't. But really, it was all about me and our family life and what we were at that time, which was a water polo family and keeping her in the school she was in. And I wasn't aware of it at that time, maybe somewhere deep inside, but I would have passed a lie detector test about why she should play water polo at that point. Do you know what I mean? But looking back, Mm -hmm. you can see all the signs and it's just heart crushing. It's like she was basically puts as much time since the moment she stopped playing water polo to today, and she's a junior in art school, into her art as though she was a water polo player. I mean, she literally grinds at it. She loves it. And she was trying to do more art. She wanted more artistic freedoms with being able to be in the school play. And, you know, we all did, we just kept kind of pushing it aside. Like, come on, like we're on this path. And it was killing her inside. And she was mm-hmm. stressed and She's really not an athlete, although she's an amazing athlete. That's not how she gets fulfilled. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we weren't paying enough attention. She may not have come out and said, I want to quit, but it was all the other things. I'm anxious. I don't want to go to practice. And instead of trying to either help her through that or immediately just allowing her a change after a season, I'm not big on like, oh, you just let a kid quit or whatever, but like, making some changes to help her either stay with the sport or just to stop it sooner is just a really, it it was, it was also hurting our relationship and we still have some struggle around that. I think the article, I asked her to read it and I think it really, I I've talked about it with her and apologized and gone through things. I think seeing it written out really helped our relationship even because I don't know that parents realize just how difficult it can be for the kids. I think we think that everything is okay and they're going to get through it, but they get very, the connection gets broken. And that's how I felt. And, you know, I I think it was a combination of things like 
she finally just got through and, and, you know, she said enough things and she was having all kinds of anxiety. But also there was a TikTok of all things about this kid, Jacob Rowland. I always remember his name. He had like posted a silly video about his dad yelling at him in the back of the car ride home. And he mm-hmm. had probably now it's up to 20,000, 30,000 comments from kids. They were all kids. And they, it was one after another talking about the pressure they feel from their parents. And I want to quit, but they will never let me. They're going to take my car if I... It was one after another. And they were not funny or silly or cute. They were sad. And I think until I read through, I probably read hundreds of those. I mean, it just hit me like, this is me. And I, I really wouldn't have seen that. I was not screaming at her all the time. And I was always like, felt like I was listening to her but we really weren't. And so I know that's a lot of build up to to those five things. And I'll go through those quickly. But this article was sort of my sharing of everything that had happened. And, And I shared it because I thought hopefully it will help other people. And you appreciated it. And I've heard a lot of people over the year ago or something say that it was exactly what they needed to read. And and that's really the goal that someone else reads this and and makes a change, whether it's one or many, and either keeps their kid in love with their sport, if that's what's meant to be, or listens to them and allows them to make a change or, or whatever it is that it just sort of helps that athlete be true to themselves of what they need and want. But I would say the first thing is we didn't listen. And I've talked about this a little bit, Mark, with like, she'd been trying to tell us for years when she was five years old, she said, I'm an actor, not an athlete when we were walking to some training or something. And I was just like, Oh, ha 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 ha. You know, like, but, <laughs> but it was the first sign. And I, and I know I was just push it down that she doesn't mean that she's so funny. That girl's so funny. You know, I just, you just didn't, we didn't listen. We didn't give her enough opportunity and as I said, I would get defensive about it, say she was, oh, you're being lazy or, you know, why aren't you motivated? So I think starting that dialogue from a really young age where you can have open conversations and not pushing your own agenda and continually reassessing that and revisiting that because it changes. It's almost like she said she wanted to be Olympian in eighth grade and we just said, okay, that's what she's going to be. And like, oh my gosh, how much do these kids change between eighth grade? And, you know, so just constantly sort of reassessing and talking about their goals, not treating them like many adults, you know, the professionalization, this is what your whole business might be based upon is these kids are playing the hours that they're doing it and the amount of the same repetitive motion so much that we're basically creating David Epstein, I had him on my podcast, and he talked about this, we're creating like, amazing 15 year old athletes and then they're peaking and their bodies are breaking down you know it's like they have to be kids and as you talked about they have to have fun and that should be the number one thing until they get into high school until they're 13 or so is playing different sports or just multi-movement not even like i think parents say are now trying to do this sort of multi-simultaneous sports which is even worse than sports specialization and it's really just playing and moving your body in a bunch of different ways don't treat them like many adults and and i was pretty bad about that i'm still not great i mean i'm like a self-help junkie i always want to get better i'm always trying to improve and i take my kids out there to shoot baskets and it was like well no 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 
your hand has to be at this angle. No, follow through. Like, I just couldn't let them have fun. You know, I think that was a big one for me. But support versus pressure, that's something I talk about on the site all the time. And it's a very fine line, but you have to know it. And it's subtle. And once you cross over that line, it's really hard to come back. When they think that you're more concerned about how they played or how the game went than they, than who they, like, what is this little person feeling doing? And you're worried or, or, you know, they play bad and then you're like not happy with them or you're mad. You know, it's these subtle cues that, and some are not so subtle, but that support versus pressure piece is really, really a big piece of that. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think parents get caught up in has to happen now. And we've touched a little bit about this already, but the FOMO and they have to go to every camp and they better do this. And so kind of having that agency around and and the thought process. I mean, my middle daughter who's playing at Ohio State, she started club late. She started club in like seventh grade. Then she was on this like national team training camp track for a while. Then she was not barely even playing on her club team. Then she was starting as a freshman on our high school team. Then she was injured for a year and barely played. It's this sort of like crazy path. And, you know, I think parents get really caught up and force all these things because they're so worried about it. And if they could just see that big picture, see that it's all about the marathon and not the sprint. Then the last one was really, I don't know if this was more particular to my situation, but for my daughter nagging her about her efforts. And I gave a lot of thought about this because I did it a lot. But I think, you know, one symptom of not being in love with your sport anymore, right? You just, you don't have that passion and that energy and that effort. But I think that so often parents are watching their kids out there and thinking, oh, they could be working harder. They could be doing this. I mean, we forget that they're these little people going through a fight with their friend, couldn't sleep because of too much homework or, you know, their hormonal cycles or whatever it is. Like there's so much going on with these kids to sort of just sit back and give them some space and some peace and just be their cheerleader, their support system. And, and, you know, let, let the coach and let natural consequences, they know when they had a bad game. You don't need to tell them that. You don't need to be on top of that. You know, there's just a lot of sort of stop pushing all the time and just let them be their support system more than anything else. So I think those are the main five points that I talked about in that article. From my standpoint, one of my theories as to why I think a hard part for some parents to back off a little bit is because the youth sports industry has become so expensive and parents are investing a lot of money mm-hmm. in their kids. And I think for some parents, <clears throat> it's like, I've put all this money into this. So you're going to, you're going to get my money's worth out of this, or I've invested all this money. This is what we're expecting is for you to get this college scholarship, which again, you know, I, I think paid. if parents actually yeah. really realized how yeah. many kids actually truly get athletic scholarships, they would be astounded if people would really understand what percentage of kids actually get like their full college paid for through athletics, which is a very small percentage. But I I think the one thing I think we probably fall short on as sports parents is we miss and we're blinded to the identity that kids get because of their sport. And what I mean by that is that, you know, their identity becomes, I am in your situation, water polo player, or in my kid's situation, I'm a runner. 
And if they don't have something else that they have an interest in or something else that is a passion for them, and that is their only identity, the big thing I see from a, a sports medicine standpoint is that if they do get hurt or they have to be out mm-hmm. for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. that can be devastating to them because now their identity is taken away. They don't know what to do so because true. they don't have a backup plan. I, I think if there is any advice I can give to parents at the start of their sports journey with their kids is diversify, not diversify in just another sport, but something else outside of that. So that if they do get hurt in their sport and they can't participate, your kid has something else that they can do that's interesting to them and makes them even a more well-rounded individual too, just having some diversified interest. And so I, I think that's where if I were to invest my efforts as far as where, where to give advice to parents, I think it would be that identity thing. Cause I really see that as a, as a big struggle for a lot of kids. Cause they, they don't know what to do. They're lost if their see sport gets too. taken away from injury or something. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. And it's hard, right? If you are playing at a high level, you're dedicating so much time to it. And I know my daughters who who still play sports feel that too. We just had a conversation about that. It's like, how do you have the time and the energy to sort of try to find these other things that interest you? And I also think that it's the parents can help with that too, just with like making sure they know they aren't their sport and that it's not the only thing you talk about, the only thing that they are sort of you shine your light on for it's such a such an important thing because that injury piece it's it's everywhere and it's happening to everyone there are just so many injuries these days yeah for sure your site what have you had the the most feedback about or most impactful thing that you feel that you've had as far as content on your site like you know i don't know if you get you know get emails or stuff yeah. or, or just feedback from people as far as like, you know, what, what do you think has, has probably impacted people the most on your site? Well, it's funny. I think you've talked about both of them. It's probably that video is our most mm-hmm. shared piece of content and it's used as a training piece for USA Volleyball, US Tennis Association. So I think they play it for coaches and for parents to see, you know, what kids really do sort of want from their kids when they're watching the game. So that one has been one. And I would say this article I wrote about my daughter has been pretty big. There was an article written by a dad about the dream. And I think that that's another topic that is often searched for and people are interested in is sort of, you know, there is this balance like, okay, it's my kid's dream or it's my dream or it's our dream. And is that okay? And damn right, it's okay. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And in fact, there's a lot of studies that that shouldn't be hush hush, but it also is natural consequences are going to occur. You know, you, you don't have to squash their dream. It will happen for them if you allow them to to face instead of moving them team to team to team, if they're not, whatever, it's going to work itself out. But believing in their dreams, whatever those dreams are, whether it's to be the best artist or the best water polo player, I think people really do like there's that one particular piece, but those pieces are also of interest. And a lot of times when people write in or I've shared stuff about the end, because it is, it does become such a huge part of your life. Your friends are often with the, you know, teammates, parents, and the last time you sort of watch your child play is is a real sort of, uh, you know, pull at your heartstrings moment. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of those articles are important. And I just wanted to say too, as to something you had mentioned, it's like, I think it's 2% of kids will play division one sports, maybe mm-hmm. 7% will play college of anything. And so that's 
the the thing to keep in mind is that most of the kids are doing it. They're not going to get those college scholarships. And if you remember that and you remember the reasons that kids should be playing sports and it's for all these great character development and learning about themselves and meeting people from different backgrounds and, and learning how to navigate all these different situations. And a lot of times the harder these situations are, the more they're going to learn and the, the more they're going to grow. And so I think too often, you know, parents are just so focused on outcomes and they forget really that it's about all these other things, the whole reason for sports and, and the, the reason most of these kids are playing sports. And they kind of need a reminder about that sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any future plans for the website or any content? You know, I'm really big on, I'm going to bring back my podcast, I think next month. I haven't been doing it for a while. I want to do more coaching and I want to do more in-person talks at schools, at Mm -hmm. organizations. So those are kind of my points that I'm really hoping to hit this coming year. Great. Well, a feature we have of our podcast is what we call the pearl of the podcast. So it's it's our guest opportunity to give a take-home point or a nugget of information that you feel is kind of like the thing you want our listeners to kind of take home with them. So, so Asia, what is your pearl of the podcast? <laughs> I love it. There's so there could be so many. I think I've just and been... we do string of pearls sometimes too. So <laughs> if you have multiple ones, <laughs> I love it. I think my mind has really been a lot about getting yourself together and figuring yourself out before parenting, of course, but before being a sports parent too. And I think so much of the trouble and even like, even the more subtle problems that we have is, is something I mentioned earlier is that like, you know, everywhere we go, there we are. You're bringing your own past, you're bringing your own hurts, your own traumas, your own triggers to your sports parenting. And I think if you spend some time trying to work through that and figure that out, you know, I think it's, it'll be a lot better for your kid in the long run. And if you can't figure it out, or you don't have the resources to talk to people or, or you just haven't been able to, you know, I think getting a real good mindfulness practice is really important to how you'll be able to handle a lot of the sports parenting stuff. Because I think that if you can ground yourself, if you can just have a little space between what's happening on the field and the moments before they're getting in the car or before you're going to like, I just think that is like a really important piece because again, it's, we're not going to always be perfect. Perfection is not the goal. It's just sort of practicing good behavior over and over and I'm doing it all the time. So That's kind of my pearl of the podcast, I guess. (laughs) Awesome. So I'd like to thank Asia Mape for her time and her efforts to improve the world of youth sports and trying to emphasize the fun in sports and for also empowering kids to be able to express their thoughts about their parents' influence on their play and for the love of the game. We'll be sure to have links on the website to the various social media platforms we talked about related to her website and where you can find that content. I encourage you to check it out. Be sure to check out our entire podcast library at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. You can follow us also on our various social media platforms. That's Twitter slash X threads, Instagram at peds sports. That's sports plural pod. So peds sports pod. We appreciate your continued support and listenerships in our fifth year of the podcast. I'm truly grateful to all of you until next time. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, and this has been the pediatric sports medicine podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will join us for future episodes. Find my entire library of episodes at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, and this has been the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast.